0: Thank you to everyone that has tuned into 52 Weeks of Hustle thus far and has made it such a huge success. Crazy to think we're nearing the end of Season 2. In addition, thank you for all the kind words and support of the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. I hope it can continue to be beneficial as you push to be elite. General Sports Worldwide has continued to pick up steam in both the search and recruiting space, as well as the overall consulting space, which consists of sales and leadership training. We are only continuing to grow as we've just acquired The Clubhouse, an industry-leading job board, mentorship platform, mental health platform, and an extensive training portal. Please let us know if we can ever be of assistance and be sure to fill out a profile on the clubhouse. Be sure to follow on 52weeksofhustle.com as well as Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Appel, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. Surrounding yourself with good people is always a key to success. Our next guest has always seen the importance of surrounding himself with great people and has built a very successful career in three different leagues. I'm excited to have our next guest, Todd Lambert, Vice President of Corporate Development and Ticketing for the Detroit Lions. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Travis. Todd, I'm certainly excited for our conversation and all the advice you have for listeners. So let's kick it off from the beginning. You grew up in Rochester, New York. You have a sibling. Growing up, was sports just such a big part of your life?
1: You know what? It it really was, and it probably um, you know uh, accelerated a little bit into my, my my young teens. I think it 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 probably started thinking back when you asked that question, Travis. Is I had a my grandfather was a professional boxer in Rochester. Um, obviously, it was I had not seen him because he was it was well before my time, but just kind of intrigued my interest. My parents had talked about it a lot, so it was it was super super relevant in that respect. And then just growing up. Um, it was uh, my, my grand, or my father, my uncle, all were really heavy into, into sports. Uh, they coached a ton. All my cousins were, were big into it and um, played a ton of different sports and a variety of sports, which was great. And I, I just always felt like just being surrounded by it and then seeing how sports is such a unifying uh, opportunity to bring the community or a family together. It just it just really, really piqued my early interest and then keep me going throughout and and obviously influenced to where I sit today.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously sports was a big part of it knew you could get in. And as you're growing up, you ultimately go to Niagara university to study business. What did you think, you know, even at that point in time, it was still sports that you knew you wanted to get into? Um, yeah, well at that time, I actually, what I,
1: and talking to counselors and things like that, they, they, they saw kind of the, I think, in my perspective, the, my ability to be socially interactive. And sports, honestly, at the time was not even something I was thinking about working in, even though I had been around it so often. Um, so my initial opportunity was with, um, was my initial opportunity really outside of, uh, of school was I worked in human resources. I was a techno recruiter for many years. Um, but obviously, there's a social aspect to that. Um, I had sold a little bit um, with another company on a short term basis, but um, I I just appeared and it seemed as though I was always working toward, you know, some some type of occupation or opportunity that involved social interaction and and that was my first opportunity and then um, and we'll certainly get into this later but. There's other interests, other opportunities that piqued my interest in terms of of actually getting into the sports industry. And I, you know, my first couple of years coming out, I didn't even really realize there was career aspirations or career opportunities for it. So that's kind of why I probably vectored toward the HR recruiting side. I just, I just wasn't uh, I just wasn't educated enough on the
0: opportunities early on. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, Todd, after college, you end up starting your career with Detroit, with Palace Sports and Entertainment and the Detroit Pistons. So ultimately, how did that opportunity come about for you?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I I love telling this story because um, it exposed me to to two really great people initially, which I know you and I have talked about. And uh, so proud to have been a part of his 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 regime, so to speak. But um, I so I was living in New Hampshire at the time, uh, working for as a recruiter, like I mentioned earlier. So it was, it was living in Hampshire, and and happened to talk to a few people about the baseball winter meetings. And just didn't understand at the time obviously they were big from a baseball operation standpoint but i didn't realize the business aspect of all that and it, it, i'm sure you're aware i don't think it exists as much today but there is a huge kind of recruiting component to that where they had a ton of recruiting opportunities and it was mostly about baseball but um they obviously invited a lot of other teams and leads the time into that i don't think that exists today so uh the Detroit Pistons, really, which you know was was the, the manager and leader at the time. I think his official was officially was a director at the time. Was Estes of the, for the Pistons? So they basically were looking for a ton of uh, folks in, in inside sales and saw this business saw this uh, baseball winter means as an opportunity for recruits. So uh, they happened to be there. I happened to be an hour and a half away from there. I'm like, you know what? This is just a, a great opportunity. I'm going to go and check it out. Yep. Met some really good people. There was a social aspect to it. it. Was great. Um, and I probably went through Travis. I don't know, probably ten or fifteen interviews. And obviously, one of the most appealing was was ones was 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 with the Pistons. And I met uh, I met Chad Estes and Mike Stanfield, and was fortunate enough to get land an opportunity. Um, they were very patient with me because I feel like you know most of the other candidates that they were talking to were coming right out of school and just ready to go. Where I already was working for you know where I was full time in the business. I've been working in that company for a couple of years. I had some stock options had benefits and all that. So I had to make kind of a big decision. Um, and it was a gamble. I, you know, I took less money. Uh, it, it was a non-benefited position. Um, and it just took me a little while to make that decision, but man, it was, it was a great decision because it was definitely leap of faith.
0: And had I not taken it, I, again, I, I don't feel I'd be where I am today. And absolutely. And I think that's the next good you know part to a conversation, Todd is, you know, is taking that risk. Right. There's a lot of our listeners out there, of whether it be right out of college, getting into this business. Hey, it may not pay as much as other jobs or, hey, I'm in another industry, but I have a passion for for sports, but I'm not like what's your advice to listeners on being able to, to take that risk and, and ultimately have confidence in yourself?
1: Yeah, I think, you know what? Um if, if the passion's there, I think the risk is, is, is worth the wait, and you're probably going to have to go through a, 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 you know, a, a tough time for a year or two, but I think the great thing, the reason why I kind of took the risk is I, I was very happy where I was, but I just wanted to be surrounded and be in that, like we talked earlier, how sports unify people. I felt like I probably wasn't getting that in my previous job. So I'm like, I think I feel I can get it here with the Pistons. I feel I can get it here with the leaders and, and surrounding people and also all, uh, you know, a group of 10 people in our department working toward a common goal. I felt like, like it was just worth the risk. And I remember having conversations with my parents. I mean, I, you know, I jumped into U-Haul, moved the mm-hmm. quarter way across the country, went to Detroit, uh, knew nobody. I'd never been to Detroit in the past. I, I moved here. Um, uh, I knew I knew it was a risk, but I had the backing of my family to say, look, if, if for some reason after a year, let's try it out for a year. If it doesn't work um, I'll pivot. They'll, they'll help me. Um, I'll, maybe I'll get back into what I wasn't before, but I always knew I felt like I was young enough to a point where um, you know, I didn't have a family. Obviously I wasn't married at the time. I just felt like it. the risk was worth it because I felt like pivoting at that time in my life was, would be, would be really easy. And I would just basically restart and, Um, if for nothing else, I knew, I knew I would come after that first, I gave myself a year. So I knew I'd come after that first year and say, Hey, either I'm going to really love this, or I might not like it, but I know I'm going to learn some stuff from this. And and that's exactly the
0: way it played out. Yep. No, absolutely. And it worked out great. And, Todd, I kicked off the episode with talking about the importance of great people. And your roommate was, was certainly a mentor of mine and former 52 Weeks also guest, Brendan Donahue. And, you know, now if this was just an after hours podcast, I'd ask about some fun stories. But we'll leave that for another day. But as you're living and working with BD and, and among other great people, how did that motivate you on a daily basis to just be the best?
1: Dude, another, another
0: great question, man. I, I'm
1: so happy you asked this because I, I love talking about him. You know, um, I feel like he and I are very similar in terms of personalities, but um he's just such a such a good person and such a balanced person from you know his his faith to his education to his his business acumen, all those things. I mean, I think it's it's it it, it was great. And I noticed that from day one. And and to your point, I probably could tell you a lot of great stories. We lived together forever and um <laughs> It, it was awesome. He, you know, he ended up being at my wedding. Um, we were, we're, we don't certainly talk as much as we used to, but I, I think about him, you know, almost every day, but, um, I think surrounded myself by just great people, but him specifically, I think, um, we, I talked to a buddy here with Alliance. lions. I, I, you know, we talk about the man, who do you want to be surrounded by? And what we always come back to is I want to be surrounded by smart and nice people. Right, hire, hire smart and nice, be surrounded by smart and nice people. Because I think if you have those two components, I think a lot of great things can happen. Um, but, but I didn't obviously realize at the time, but I think about that today and then think about Brendan, he was exactly that. And, and I think that's where that resonated for me. And, and, and the great thing, what he did for me, um, and I, I hope I certainly did for him, he was he was so inquisitive, right? And I'm sure you're, you, you've seen that. He was always asking me. We'd always talk shop at the end of the day. This is this is my one of my greatest memories. I always talk shop. I always remember at the end of the day, um, him always asking me how I was doing, or or you know, always asked my opinion on how how he was having. Maybe he was having a challenge in his mind. He'd say, "Man, I'm having this challenge. Like, how would you overcome this? How are you seeing this, right?" And then eventually, there was just general dialogue where we had to have good conversations and figure stuff out. But the biggest thing for me is. Where I think some of those conversation helped is, it just made me think differently, even like after the conversation, and and then the other great thing was it just showed him just by asking me and having value for my opinion, I think really showed that he cared about me, and um, he had and then he also had good perspective, and then I could learn from that, and and I think again probably one of my biggest takeaways with him was um, after just living with him for gosh almost four years. Um, I already knew I wanted to always be surrounded by good people, but he just, he just, he reinforced that. And from that point on, I'm like, you know, I want to be surrounded by people as best I can that are, that are like Brendan. Yep. And that's, where, you know, kind of went from there.
0: It's always important to surround yourself with good people. And, and to even your point of being able to help motivate you during the day, help each yeah. other out, you know, as much as this is an individual environment, certainly a team environment as well. And, you know, as you think back to starting in this business and you had some you know, experience prior to getting into sports, what's something you wish you knew back then that you know now that could have maybe made your life a little easier? Um,
1: man, God, there's a lot, there's a lot of things because I feel like, you know, I was I was just winging it for a while and trying to learn as we go. But um, I think a couple things are, um, you know, you, you, you can't win them all you can't get everything you want, right? You have to compromise. Um, that's just the way life is. And you know what? Just as much as you'd want, maybe want everything the way you want it to be, the other person as well. So the only way you're going to get through and, and accomplish anything and be productive in that relationship is compromise. So I, I feel like, and in some ways it's probably burned me. I probably compromised too much, but I think that's really important. Um, and then and then the other thing is probably that I think could have made my life easier is, um, you know, you can't, again, you can't kind of please everybody, but if you put your focus, uh, if I would have put more of my focus on the relationships and the people that cared about me, um, I think that would have been a good takeaway because probably sometimes I probably put too much energy into people that maybe really didn't have my best interests in mind. And I just, not that it was a waste of time. I don't want to use that as as a vernacular, but I probably just put it, should have spent more of that energies on the people that truly cared about me because, you know, in the end, Um, you know, that would have just helped foster a better environment for myself. And, and then I also, in in those, in those relationships or people that I feel that, that, that weren't looking out for best interest, I'd probably look back and say, just, you know, don't take it so
0: personally, just again, focus on the positives. Yeah, no great advice there. So after spending several years in Detroit, you know, at the time palace sports and entertainment owned the Tampa Bay lightning as well. And then you ultimately made the move down to South Florida. As you think back at that move, and again, you're around great people with Chad Estes, Doug Dawson, you know, just to name a few, this was also an opportunity for you to be part of leadership. So how did you know leadership was something that you wanted to get into? You know what? I, I probably owe a lot of that to Chad. Like he, he um, I, again, I, I think
1: I realized it on myself, but, but what's, you know, what's great is like you, think you you think you are something, right? You think you have certain characteristics, but when someone actually says them to you, you're like, And I didn't really think of it that way. Like he he pointed it out, but I think, I think the great thing was, you know, he saw, obviously I was, was hardworking like him. Um, I was a team player, but I think the most important thing, and I I, I'm pretty sure it was him that told me this was, was uh, I demonstrated a level of compassion and humility and humbleness that maybe others didn't have. And he just said like, man, those are, those are characteristics are probably good to being, to being a leader among people and running an apartment Um, so I I give, I give credit, credit to him. Um, and I think the other thing is that, you know, I saw that in myself and and maybe a couple other things that I, I, that I thought, uh, you know, something that leadership would be something I want to get into is, um, I make a lot of, you know, I'm a big, big proponent of making some personal sacrifices. Um, and I feel like, uh, by doing that, I've always put myself in a mindset of doing what's right for the company first. And, you know, I just felt, you know, after talking to him and just thinking through things myself, like, you know, as a leader, you always got to be in a mindset of, of, of making sacrifices and doing what's right for the company first. And the the role just fit that criteria
0: and that personality that, that I felt I had. And I, I just felt it was the right situation. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Todd, much of this business, how individuals can continue to evolve and keep, you know, moving with different times and being willing to pivot. So why is evolving so important as a leader? I think you, you know, you got, you got to be open to change because
1: especially this day and age, things change so fast. And I think it's more about what you don't do, what you, what you don't do than what you do do. And I think if you, if you don't adapt or evolve one, you know, there's hiring, you know, what employees are looking for today is very different than it was 10 or 15 years ago or 10 or 20 years ago. And, and then also you got your, those are your internal concerns, but also you got your external concerns. And, uh, you know, if you, if you don't evolve as a leader, um, you know, you're also really your customers and your business suffer and you're going to miss out on opportunities. So, um, you know, if we, if you just stayed status quo, you know, there might be a a business opportunity out there, but if you're unwilling to adapt, you're just never going to capitalize on it. So that's, that to me is probably one of the biggest things. adaptation is more, um, a cause and the effect is, is positive results in the business side in my mind.
0: And and you, you certainly were able to to adapt and, and continue to strive. You quickly became the VP of sales and service with the lightning and with your time, you know, in Tampa, you're also part of a Stanley cup championship team. So how was that experience for you?
1: Man, that was awesome. I, the, the, the first word that comes to my mind is, and I think everybody at the time that was there will tell you, man, it was unexpected. <laughs> and it, it was just because, you know, we, we started the season out not very great. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this because I really do feel, look, I don't, I don't want to take credit for any championships or anything, but I feel like it was, I don't know, it was uh, early spring. There's still a couple months left in the season. We actually, as a sales team, ended up doing really well. Our revenues were were, were were doing well. We were striving for, for great things. We were on a good pace. And then the trade deadline was coming up. And um, we made a trade for a defenseman that actually ended up being a huge difference maker for us to the playoffs. But up until that point, we were I don't think we really expected, if I remember properly, to win a ton, you know, to, to go that far. Um, and I think one of the reasons, obviously, when you're At the trade deadline, you got to have some cap space, or you got to have, you know, you got to be financially stable. And I, I think uh, this is probably our our president um, may disagree, and but he was he was a great guy. But I I really feel and recall the conversation that um, uh, we were doing so well pacing toward our revenue targets that it gave them the confidence that look, we, you know, we're okay to go out and spend some money and get this person. So I feel like our efforts as a sales team. Kind of allowed them, and it certainly didn't propel us to make that decision. But I think it just gave our 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 hockey operations team more confidence to make that decision. So that was really un- unbelievable experience. Then just in general, going through the going through the championship, I, I look back. There are so many, you know, if that didn't happen, I I wouldn't have a championship ring to my on my resume today. You know, so I'm I'm just so blessed that to work as long as I have and have one of those. I think it's great. I just, in general, like I I just said, I I really feel blessed for that opportunity. And it was, it was just so much fun. And the one, the last big takeaway was the, for months after um, there will forever be a bond with specifically the sales team, right? We celebrate so much after that. Like there's, there's just, you know, 30 or 40 people that I worked with that I still care for, I, I think about so much and, you know, we forever will have this bond together about that experience that we went through. And most of it, that I, the things that stand out most to me are more the the two or three months after that um, after it happened, because it was just, it was just so much fun
0: with that. We celebrated constantly with, with each other, with our clients. It was, it was great. And you and the team had certainly put yourself in a position to, to run parallel past that team and you capitalized you know, tremendously. And so Thought I always like to ask the guests that are fortunate enough to, to win, do you ever wear the ring?
1: You know, I I did for a long time after, so uh, I would wear it for probably about a year or two. I would wear it after we won, and mostly I would wear it, um, uh, you know, on, on client meetings or in social aspects, but honestly, man, I haven't worn it in years. Uh, it's stored away, protected, probably be, you know, given to my kids someday, but Man, it's I look at it every once in a while and just just uh, just beam with with happiness and just you know brings back all those good memories we just talked about.
2: We're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
0: Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Todd Lambert, Vice President of Corporate Development, and ticketing for the Detroit Lions. And so, Todd, you spent five and a half years with the Lightning, and then you stayed in the NHL and made the move to the St. Louis Blues as their SVP of sales. So what intrigued you about that opportunity? Uh,
1: you know, it was it was the Blues' unbelievable city, one of the greatest fan bases I've been a part of. Um, what kind of attracted me, I think – I. I There were a lot of things going on in my life personally, so I I just needed a change of scenery. It wasn't it certainly wasn't a negative thing. It was just it was just time. Uh, Just with some personal things I had in my life. Um, And, you know, St. Louis was very attractive and a very livable city. The people are phenomenal, Um, really loved where we lived. But I think the biggest the biggest reason was, you know, unfortunately, this is this is certainly not saying anything bad, but I think they were prior to the point I got there there was a lot of turnover. Um, they weren't staffed up, up to where they were probably, you know, five years previous to that. Their revenues were underperforming. Attendance was really down. I I assume some had to do with the business side, but some had to do with the, um, with the team. And one of the things I think of, uh, of my entire career, whenever I've made a decision, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more later, whenever I made a decision to go somewhere, I don't, I I wanted to go, I always want to go somewhere where, my, my, uh, my time or my energies are needed and where the, where an opportunity lies and and where something exists. Like it's not, it's just not fun for me to go to a situation where, you know, a team that's already sold out or there's really not much work to do or not a ton of inventory. And St. Louis was like that. They were, there was a ton of inventory to sell. There was a ton of opportunity to build an infrastructure and a structure of the team. Um, they were underperforming at the time. Um, they had unfortunately, like I said, regressed a, a lot. So I felt like, I felt like it was just more of a business opportunity where I felt like, look, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, and if I can help make a difference and leave that place in a better spot, um, which I feel like we did, we almost doubled our revenues by the time I left. But I felt like, you know, had they been in a sellout situation, I, I probably wouldn't have gone there. But I just I, I that was extremely attractive just because I felt there was a ton of upside.
0: And again, I feel like a a bit of your M.O. in this business is focusing on people. And we certainly have talked about that here today. And that's exactly what you did with the Blues. You know, you you said people were leaving. You you built up the right people. Why is that always so important to to bring in the right people and focus on training and developing them? Yeah, you know, and and
1: I think it's just super important. Like this job and this industry is not easy. And when you're talking about, you know, staff of 20, 30, 40 plus people, Man, you got to be rolling in the same direction and having the same, you know, long-term objectives. And I think it's more, again, maybe the amazing thing to me is that it really—it's amazing when you're not doing that. What happens if even one person is not in the same direction? That's just—it's extremely disruptive. People don't feel part of the team. There's less collaboration. So I think when you're when you're not focused in that respect, I think it—it's—it's it's more the fear of, of, you know, if I've got 98% of the team that's working together and collaborating. Um, I want to, you want to make sure that they maintain themselves at a high level. But if, if, if a couple of detractors are there, that's, it really could hurt you from a business perspective. And I think getting the right people to me, I I try to certainly try to do this, but, um, I think it's really important from a hiring perspective or however you get, like trying to find people that put themselves first and others second. Um, I just think that really. Limits any frustrations, any resentments, and and keeps you on target to the to the to the goal you want to achieve, and that's just something we try to live by as best we can.
0: And you certainly built a great team there with the Blues and, and Todd. You helped the team average thirty plus sellouts per year, had a forty one percent attendance growth, and and you end up at over your six years at the Blues. I'm sure there's a ton of accomplishments as you look back to that time. What are you most proud of during your time there? Um, you know, I. I would say
1: probably the um, our the ability that that the you know the first year I came in, we were um, we were under unfortunately, I think, you know, bottom three in the league. I think the pro- my product's accomplishment there was the fact that um, when by the time I left, we basically whatever that I don't remember the dollar amounts off the top of my head, but whatever dollar amounts we were when I first got there, they were doubled by the time I left. And we had a better structure, right? We built, we re- rebuilt a team, we had dedicated lanes of traffic. Um, and then probably the last thing is, is, um, it was the first, first real, uh, 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 employment opportunity I had where we started basically a a CRM and analytics team. So I think between just the achievement of those, those revenue targets, and then obviously starting those new departments and really getting, getting that as a, as a framework to where we're going, being more thoughtful in, you know, how we attack the market, um, you know, working through, we, we did a ton of lead generation work that we, I had not done a ton in the past. So those are probably my biggest accomplishments, at least in
0: St. Louis. No, absolutely. And you, you certainly had a ton of success there. You guys were on the forefront of, of bringing in the analytics type of teams. And just over eight years ago, you make the move back to Detroit, this time in the NFL with the Lions. And, you know, obviously, probably another great opportunity for you to come in, make an impact. And I've had many guests that have spent time or work in the NFL, and it's certainly a different beast from a revenue perspective. And so what do you feel like are some of the, you know, maybe the top similarity and the top difference from other leagues you've worked in?
1: Yeah, no, it's a good question. I I think probably the similarities are, um, you know, how, how you engage and train the staff, you know, how, how the sales process and the sales structure looks, um, how you structure the staff in general, you know, the, the benefit offerings for your clients, whether you're selling a you know, hospitality or season tickets or whatever it may be, there's, there's, I think all those things are very, very similar from league to league, in my opinion. Um, I don't think there's a ton of change there. Um, the, the difference, the difference to me, and it took me a while to adjust, but, and they, I loved absolutely my time, in the NBA and NHL, and I loved um, uh, the, the opportunity to have a ton of influence and have some freedom to make some local decisions. But I think the biggest, the biggest difference that I saw, and it took me a little while to adjust when I first got here was it is amazing. Like, like the media presence that the NFL has. um, It is amazing how that can really be a huge benefit when things are, when you're doing well on the business side, your team's winning and all that. It's amazing that um, if if a couple good weeks go, go well for you, that good positive results can happen where I think that certainly was the case. With other other leagues, in my opinion, but it probably wasn't as, as instantaneous, like the, the the business effects of that. Um, so I think just the the media exposure, the eyes, the attention that you get, were really important. Um, obviously, we we I always strive for sellouts and things like that, but there's there's a lot of eyeballs on that. That's obviously expected from a league level. It's expected from a local level. It's expected from our fans. Um, so that was a major difference. And the other other major differences, and I won't get into too much detail, is um, the NFL does it right. I mean, just the, 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 business model that, that, that the NFL has structured over the years, well, before I was here is, is really top notch. Um, it puts every team in a position to succeed, keeps every you know, the revenue sharing opportunities, keep everyone stabilized. But the, the bigger adjustment for me was just, uh, going, w- you know, with those processes and protocols, there were a lot of different policies and different rules and things on, you know, what, what constitutes, you know, X hospitality or how things are sold. And, um, it's, it's done 100% the right way. It just took me a while to learn it. And so once you get those policies and procedures down, things become a lot easier. but it was just, it was just a little bit of a learning curve from that
0: perspective. Yeah And Todd, after you know, in your role now you oversee ticket sales suites, premium, business analytics, ticketing technology and operations. and you know, over the past eight years you' spent with the team, the team on the field hasn't necessarily helped. You know, with wins and losses. And, but you, you certainly have been a part of a team that have produced consistent numbers. And so, you know, the Lions even were a league leading year over year growth several seasons ago. So, why is it so important, especially for young listeners out there, to not worry about wins and losses, but truly control what you can control?
1: Yeah. And I think, I think you said it really well, Travis. I mean, there's, there's only so much we can control. And what you can't control is, you you know, you know, the, the, you know, how, how you interact with your clientele, what offerings you have, what products are out there, what, what benefits and amenities platforms you put out and, and obviously just the relationships that you have, because those are so important. Um, you know, we, we try to take a mindset because of, of what you just said, just, um, you got to kind of remove wins and losses and, and the, the challenge for the sports industry, and I'm sure others have said this, and I've certainly said it in the past is, we don't really technically sell the same product every day or every week. It 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 does deviate. You know, we're we're so you as long as you're prepared and stabilized and you stay you stay true um, to your culture, structure, your process, and your business protocols, good things will come. And at that point, you'll be able to, in my mind, you'll be able to capitalize on on opportunities when things are well but also stabilize when things are are rough. And, and, you know, I think if you, if you say st- it's st- true to that, those things that, that I just mentioned, I think are your controls, right? Your processes, your structures, your training protocols, you know, how you treat your team, um, you know, your, your compensation structures, all those little things kind of add up to things that are controllable. Um, because in the end can of always joke, like we can control a lot, you know, as, a, as, as, as a sales professional, you can, you can control a lot, but, you also what you can't control is forcing someone you can influence somebody, but you can't force them to say yes. So um, you got to work on all these other areas to hopefully reinforce um, them to make their own decision, because ultimately the decisions in their hands when you when it talk when you talk about investing in hospitality and other things.
0: And I love what you mentioned there. You know, obviously we talk a lot about control. You control on a day to day basis from a sales team member, or you're just a team member of a team. You brought up from an organization standpoint, and a leadership like control. Those are the things. And so, what do you feel like the, the Detroit Lions organization has done to keep a lot of successful people like yourself for so many years? You know, I think I think um, they've done a really really great job.
1: I mean, our ownership structure is unbelievable. Um, they are they are just phenomenal people, phenomenal people to work for. They truly care, um, about, you know, the success we have on and off the field, which is, which is awesome. And I think what they've kind of done, I think to keep some of the people here is, um, they've done, they demonstrate that care on a daily basis. They've, they've given us inside knowledge on things that, you know, not might necessarily have been public just to help us help the team and the staff feel engaged. I mean, I know our, our sales team, they're, they're I'm certainly closer to, than they are, they are, but, um, Man, they're every time we get some of that inside knowledge, they're 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 they're, they're super pumped to to share that and to, to go battle for the organization and for the front office. So I think that they've done a really good job on that. I think they also just thinking back, you asked me that question a few years back that. Done a really good job because we're, you know, we're owned by a family. So there's family is extremely important to ownership group and they, they have done a good job over the years engaging Um, yes, I'm an employee of the Lions, but at the same time, they have done a really good job engaging my family and making my wife and my kids feel a part of, feel, feel a part of the, the Lions family, so to speak. They've done a great, great job of that. It's not, it's not just about me. Um, and then the other thing I think that, you know, allowed me at least to stay here. And I think others would say this as well is going back to what we talked about earlier is it's easy to stay somewhere when you're surrounded by good people who care and whether it's people above you, below you, whatever it may be, um, you know, it's easy when you're having fun and you're engaged and around people that, you know, look out for your best interests. That that certainly promotes and, and fosters longevity.
0: No, and I love it. It's you know, To your point, and I know you and I have talked about in the past, I've talked to a lot of other employees, both, both current and former at the Detroit Lions organization, that they truly understand the value of both a personal and professional growth plan. You know, it's not just a number over your head. And so, Todd, you've certainly had a great career, have influenced many great people and continue to, to ride up the ranks here. And so as you look back at all those great experiences, what would you say has been your best memory in this business?
1: I like the way you, you phrase that as my best memory, not just my best experience. But I, I this is maybe more general, and I think we might have touched on this already. But probably my best memory is that, again, I think I've, I've really been blessed to meet really good people hard work and motivated professionals um who have who have shaped me and influenced me. And I just feel like if, if going back to your first question, if I if I never took that leap of faith and went to uh you know took the job with the Detroit Lions, none of none of this would have perpetuated itself. And and I just I would have never been exposed to, you know, the the very important people that um that have been a part of my life. I just I would have been in another vertical, another industry that, you know, I would have met great people there too. But the people that I know today over the last 20 years, you know, including yourself, I wouldn't have been, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't be exposed to those people. Had I not taken that leap of faith. So that's probably a best memory is just is, is the, is the good people that I was with and that I was blessed to learn from.
0: I think it's a perfect way to kind of finish up this podcast, you know, started with, you know, the importance of people. And we've talked a lot about people and end it that way. And it's been great. You've had an amazing career. Certainly. Thank you for all your advice to close it out. I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seats. So you ready for this? You got it. If you'd be on a reality TV show, which one are you on? Below deck. All right. You have to sing karaoke. What song are you choosing? This is a tough one, but I'm going to go with Spoonman from song Garden. All right. If we'd have a little more time, I'd let you sing. But uh, what's the no, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> what's the last thing you've completed on your bucket list? Uh, family went right before COVID, went to, for a week in California, went to Yosemite National Park. It was great. Awesome. Todd, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Um, I think just constantly valuing
1: others and learn from them. Um, being anticipatory to get ahead of the game a little bit. And then this may, this is certainly one of my most uh, most valued traits and, and may not be for others, but my third would be just being selfless.
0: Love it. You know, to, to your point again, all encompasses people, right? Valuing others, helping be ahead of the game, both for yourself and the team and and being selfless. Todd, thank you so much. Been a pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Thanks, Travis. Been a pleasure, buddy. Thank you. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.